My Seven Chakras, episode 193. The thinking is the mind talking. Meditation is the mind listening. And channeling is the mind receiving. The Seven Chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, founder and host of My 7 Chakras, where we dive deep into the ancient world to uncover nuggets of wisdom that will help you find your life's purpose. So if you're on your spiritual path, but you're looking for actionable steps that you can take right away to change your life, then you are listening to the right show. Today's iTunes review is by Lady K, who says, comfort zone and growth don't normally go together. You either have one or the other, but My 7 Chakras provides the path to allow you to grow within the comfort of others. AJ brings the best guests that speak directly to my needs and quest of life. I find my comfort zone as I journey to my best self with AJ. He's an awesome host and attentive to his guests and listeners. It doesn't get any better than that and I know he authentically wants us to be our best self. Tune in and I know you will keep coming for more like me. You know, I feel so good when listeners take the time and heart to write such amazing reviews for us. It just makes me want to take things to a whole new level. Action Tribe, do you want your review to be read out as well? If yes, then take a minute to share your views and experiences in the form of an iTunes review. How do you do that? It's super simple. If you're on your podcast app on your iPhone, just hit reviews and then hit write a review. You can also use this link and jump directly onto the iTunes review page. The link that you need is my7chakras.com forward slash review. That's my7chakras.com forward slash review. You see, I read out each and every review because I just love hearing about the impact that our show has had on your life. So make sure you take the time to help me help you. And with that, I'm super excited to bring you our featured guest for today, Tom Evans. So, Tom, are you ready to inspire? I, I, I hope so, and uh, I think I do. That's, my, that's what I do most of my days, and uh, I love the whole process of inspiration. Super. So, Tom is passionate about bringing magic into people's lives. He is an ex-BBC television engineer turned author, author's mentor, philanthropist, creative catalyst, and mindfulness, timefulness, and kindfulness practitioner. So Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. Before we move on, what is one thing that is unique about yourself? I think the main thing that's unique about me is that I'm a very practical engineer. So I've got my foot very firmly in uh, the earth plane, you know, the plane of material things. Mm -hmm. But also I'm very tapped into the ethereal and spiritual plane and and act as a conduit from one to the other, if you'd like a a conduit between the above to the below. And I'm always aware of uh, where I am, if I'm working in the physical plane or in the uh, above plane, in the the ethereal plane, or actually working in the conduit mode. And I'm very very aware of um, the whole, uh, if you have the duality of our existence Mm -hmm. and also how we live in this amazing amazing world. Um, And it's really a pervasive illusion that it's very easy to see to and see through and also to manipulate and do some amazing magic in. Wonderful. So thanks a lot for sharing and I'm sure many of our listeners are on a similar journey like yourself, maybe people from different phases of life who have recently stumbled upon spirituality but want a path in front of them that they can take uh, ideally which has already been walked on. So uh, can't wait to hear more about your story. But before that, my question is, what is your favorite inspirational quote and how does that quote apply in your day-to-day life? Well, it's a very simple quote. It's the three parts to it. And it's this, that uh, thinking is the mind talking, meditation is the mind listening, and channeling is the mind receiving. And the way that works in my life is many people, that when they wake up in the morning, they you start to think, and you don't even think about the fact that, that this happens automatically, and when you fall asleep again, you stop thinking. Of course, this is the most miraculous thing that um, you know, bits of stardust have coalesced into us humans and we, uh, we, we are self-aware and we're able to think. But because we can only have one thought at a time, if we're thinking about the past or worrying about the future, we'll lose focus on the now. And meditation 
allows us to get into listening mode. And once we're in listening mode, and I, I, I meditate every single morning, we can then start to receive and channel through us uh, inspiration, uh, content, amazing uh, enlightenments, and one links to the other. So realization that thinking is uh, an automatic thing, and as it is automatic, we can control it. We don't have to think all the time. Meditation is the key to listening rather than thinking. And then when we go and we stay in the meditative state with our eyes open, we can start to channel and receive. Wonderful. Thanks a lot for that really amazing quote. Thinking is the mind talking. Meditation is the mind listening. And channeling action tribe is the mind receiving. So with that, let's dive in. Uh, what inspired you to write your book, The Authority Guide to Practical Mindfulness? I think it was the publisher. I was actually planning not to write a book last year because I've already written uh, 12. Yeah. And I've known this lady for many times, a lady, lovely lady called Sue Richardson. And she started to produce these guys. They're only 96 pages long, so you can read them in a certain commute. And she said, Tom, I've been doing this, uh, this series now for, for some time. And please, please write a book for me. And I said, well, I'm going to do that. I'd like to write a spiritual book book a book that uses spiritual principles but it's going to be aimed at business people that might maybe never get into this kind of stuff and show them how they can use um, the principles of meditation and mindfulness to achieve real world results so she approached me in may the book was written in june because one of the things i teach is how to change the speed of time by changing the speed of your mind and and the book then was published in october and what i wanted to do with it was something slightly different i because i'm very practical because i'm this engineer i thought i don't yeah. just want to talk about uh, meditation and mindfulness i want people to experience the mindful meditative state so there's 10 chapters in the book and each one of them is accompanied by a 10 minute uh, mindfulness meditation that uh, augments it so you read the chapter then you listen to the meditation so you actually experience what i'm talking about in the chapter and these are these are free for anyone that buys the print and kindle version or the embedded in the audiobook version as well so don't just talk about this stuff I actually do it too and show people how to do it. I love teaching. Wonderful. And that's so true. Sometimes, uh, especially if you're reading about spiritual principles or meditation, uh, the book can go in depth about the history and can become very esoteric mm -hmm. and very abstract and very theoric. And at the end of it, you know a lot about meditation, but you don't know what it feels like or what it, what it is to experience it. And like you've mentioned, you've got an engineering mind. So you wanted people to take action. So not only read the chapters, but also experience the meditation itself so i think that's a great way to do it now my question is about your experience yourself you began meditating in your mid 40s is that correct that's right yeah i thought before that i thought meditation was a complete waste of time and uh, something to be done by uh, kind of woo woo la la people got it so what changed? Like, how did you encounter it at that stage? What changed in your life that made you change the way you perceived meditation? I think it was, you know, people have this midlife crisis. Well, I didn't really have one of those. I had a midlife hiccup when I was, mm -hmm. I had a perfectly good job, uh, well paid. Uh, I was you know, running a business unit, turning over a couple of million pounds a year, but I was really, really stressed. And I've been in the high tech industries then for about 25 years and I just got bored. And I thought, you know, it, I didn't, I didn't really throw my toys out the pram. I just sort of said to the people running this business, I, I, it's not on my heart, it's not anymore. And I just want to uh, walk away. So I walked away, uh, didn't know what to do. I spent about three or four years just doing IT consultancy and a bit of um, journalism for high tech. Uh, publications yeah. um, and someone said to me you look really really haggard you need to meditate so I started persevered and by this time I'd also done uh, Reiki 1 and 2 um, so I'd, I'd done a bit of healing and mainly to learn it and to, to experience it not to be a practitioner and and so I, and then weird things started to happen and, and you know, I, I noticed strange things happening in my life and as an engineer I thought I've got to research these so I researched things more and more and I joined a couple of esoteric schools to research things and and then I found that it just gave, it opened up to a whole new career and an awakening that I wasn't expecting. Got it. So love the term midlife hiccup <laughs> instead of midlife crisis. Yeah. So you said that you were running a business unit uh, highly successful, but the job or the experience was very stressing. At that point, you were a bit bored. And so you made a difficult decision. You decided to walk away and then you started doing ID consultancy for a time until somebody or a group of people maybe suggested to you that you should try out meditation. And through your practice, you also did Reiki, like you mentioned, yeah. but you had these moments or these awakenings. What 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 did you experience? Well, I started to, um, I, I did, um, I, it, around that time, people, I, I wrote a book 
and people started to approach me to help them write their books as well. And, okay. I, and I found out that, because I'm a quite creative and helpful kind of person, and, and at first I think they, they approached me because I, I'm, I'm kind of, I can come up with ideas off the top of my head. I even wrote a book about that called The Art and Science of Liable Moments, about how we you know, receive these ideas and how we can make the, the best ideas actually happen. But um, I've discovered that about 50% of the people I work with didn't finish their books, and I don't like that sort of uh, percentage. So I, I went and did some study as a hypnotherapist and a past life progressor, and mainly because I thought, well, if people have got these writer's blocks i intuitively understood that they they're bound to be life blocks you know so someone said when you're a child you hand an essay in and you got a, a bad mark for it and somewhere that's lurking as a as a memory mm. in your unconscious mind and and the best way not to fail is not to try so if you don't want to have any bad reviews for your book the best way to not have any bad reviews is not to publish it so i started to um help my clients with uh getting rid of these fears that were often um uh, uh, put in place in childhood but i then went on a past life progression course and um and i found out some of the issues went back many many lifetimes and and this this worked whether you believe in past lives or not it seemed to work but on the course i started to see through time and i started to see past lives in people's auras and so yeah. the person in front of me would disappear and, and all their past lives would stack up and i also discovered i could see forward in time uh, and and also see future lives and then i discovered i could also um, teach people how to channel not just their muse or some people i work with people that channel angels and archangels and fairies at the bottom of the garden and i don't know what i'm channeling i just know that you know it's things come through me that uh, i don't know and therefore it must be an external yeah. source but i learned how to channel the future self so there's a version of you let's say you're writing a book uh, in this year it'll be available in 2018 there's a version of you yeah. in the future that knows your book in the future and you can get the word sent back from the future to the present and it works a treat and when you do this not only do you get this amazing information but time in the now seems to extend. You know, the old power of now with Eckhart Tolle. You get into yes. this state I call EMT or extended me time. So, uh, you know, time takes this squidgy ethereal quality on and you get more done with less of it. Wonderful. Now, really quickly, I'm curious about how did you go about channeling your future self? Because what I've read about is uh, something called spatial thinking as well, mm -hmm. where you sort of imagine that you're talking or having a conversation with your future self mm -hmm. and you ask a question in a journal and you mm -hmm. sort of write down the response and sometimes you're surprised about what the response is yep. so was that the same method you're using or something else kind of yeah i'm I, i'm uh, funny enough um it's funny that this show is about seven chakras because um i got introduced to the concept of chakras outside our body as well and i've got a whole uh, mm. program that wakens up the seven chakras but also we have a chakra point above our head called the alpha chakra point and we've got a chakra point below our root uh, outside our body called the omega chakra point and i learned um from a, a down master how to move your consciousness to different parts of your body so for example people now yes. listening to this can move their consciousness to their big toe and be aware of the toes next to their big toe that's quite an easy thing to do you can move your consciousness to your back and it's a lovely safe place to be but also uh, one of the things I, one of the meditative techniques that is in the 10 meditations that come with the book i teach people how to move their consciousness to their pineal gland which is in their head and you become an observer mm. of your own thoughts this is like a, a vipassanic uh, kind of meditation and from that point you can allow your consciousness to rise up to your crown and sit just above the top of your head it takes a little practice but i've kind of i've got loads of meditations that teach you how to do that are all simple and very safe and when you go to the alpha chakra point above your head you are sitting outside space and time so you can go anywhere you can go back to the past you can go into the future uh, i often channel for other people as well so i can i can get my higher self to connect to someone else's higher self and channel as if I'm there. And I wrote a whole book for one guy and he said to me, he said, uh, as, as is like as a ghostwriter, he said, you sound more like me than me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so this is this is this is the I'm a I'm a I'm an explorer. I'm an engineer. I like I like things to do things. So I like I like this esoteric stuff to have an exoteric uh, outcome. If you know what I mean. So we 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 take the unknown, which is the, uh, the unknown and occult, which is the esoteric, and we make it known and understood, which is the exoteric. And and these techniques, they might be wild fancies of imagination, but they seem yeah. to work. And the proof of the pudding is. Uh, um, uh, 13 books over 200 books for other authors and all that kind of stuff you know wonderful and i'm so glad that you spoke about directing your consciousness to different parts of your body 
and consciousness outside of your body as well, which uh, is such a powerful Taoist uh, technique, which is there, I believe, in yoga as well. But, uh, you know, uh, microcosmic uh breathing and circulating your consciousness of, you know from the crown down to your dantian and and back up so you know really really uh interesting topic now so so what's happening in your life is you said that you're doing these past life regression courses you're doing reiki you're learning about auras you can see forward in lives and you're also channeling so as an engineer how are you going about making sense of all these practices, like how you go, what is your thought process like for making sense? At, at first, I thought it was a bit weird. And am I, delud- yeah. am I deluding myself? Am I going mad? Um, but then around that kind of time, I started my own podcast, The Zone Show. And it was based on mm. one of the books I wrote uh, about how you get in and stay in the zone. And so in, on the show, I started to speak to loads of other people who do this stuff too. And I went, ah, oh, maybe I'm not so mad after all. <laughs> and uh, and so so that that's I guess that that was the main thing is that is that the, the scientists seem to poo poo it because it's not real but we but scientists know that ninety six percent of what we see uh, can't be seen anyway so we are ninety six percent unreal as it as it stands um, and so I guess the, the the way that I use it is to um, I guess realize that this this magic stuff and the magic's only magic until you know how the trick is done yeah. is not something that comes from us so it's not like i can do this magic trick it's it comes through us and it's almost like we're entrusted with as much magic that is safe for us does that make sense right yeah totally yeah, yeah. And, and 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 this knowledge you know just the way you're articulating it i love it um, makes me so much more interested in star wars you know, because every time they speak about the force, yeah. I think about this magic, this prana, this chi. So I just wanted to add that. I know. And, and over Skype, I do some amazing magic tricks over Skype. I've healed two budgies in Canada. Uh, mm. And I can beam my heart force to other people's heart forces and, and heal. And so, you know, I was aware you could do this stuff face to face and you, the healing hands yeah. work when you're near people but because 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 it's non-local uh you know uh, uh we can we can do this anywhere and we can do it across space and time so i've, I've done a lot of healings with people where yeah. what you do is you heal the person back in time and then the, the person in the now gets instantly healed beautiful so could you talk to us about the whole brain state what exactly is that well the whole brain state is uh left and right brain there's a great book called uh the master and his emissary by Ian McGilchrist, and uh, this is, he's a neuroscientist. He spent 15 years uh, researching it. And uh, basically, there was a guy in the 60s called uh, Rogers, Professor Roger Sperry, and he was the first guy that did um, split brain experiments. So he would um, sever the corpus callosum in the brain of epileptics, and he found they would calm down. And he'd also sort of put a blindfold on someone's left eye and all this sort of stuff and work out what was what was coming through the right eye. He studied people that had actual strokes and things like that. So it's known that the motor functions of the left side of the body are controlled by the right brain and the motor functions of the right side of the body are controlled by the left brain. And it came into popular consciousness that the left brain was logical and the right brain is creative. And that's not true. And nowadays what these uh, neuroscientists can do is that they can anesthetize a brain or a bit of a brain or half a brain in someone that's, uh, that's alive and well, as opposed to studying people that have had some sort of trauma or accident. And they can ask someone who's awake and say, well, I've just, I just switched off your left brain. How do you feel? <laughs> and, you know, and this sort of stuff, or just tiny bits of the brain. They can, put, uh, they can beam into tiny bits of the brain, just switch certain bits off. And so it's discovered now that it's not so much that the left brain is logical and the right brain is creative, but the right brain uh, processes all new information uh, and, and looks at the world from a holistic perspective. And the left brain uh, processes learned responses and looks at the world from a, a detailed perspective. Um, any, I should say, big caveat here, anything, any statement about left and right brain is an approximation and generalization. So that's only in, in most people, but there are always exceptions to the rules, the autistics, the ADHD crystal children mm. the indigo children's uh, and and as the brain is plastic it can rewire in an instant so the whole brain state is when we get the left and right brains working together at the same time as opposed to just being in the right brain state someone who's got their head in the clouds or somebody who is just got that you know that that phrase the devil in the detail uh, yeah. that's someone working just on the detail and there's a lovely um 
lovely thing you can do. You get onto Google search and you put their devil on the shoulder into Google search and look at images. You see all these images of Tom and Jerry cartoons. And classically, the devil always appears on the left shoulder and the angel mm. always appears on the right shoulder. And of course, this goes right back to ancient Greeks, where we had two gods, the god of uh, Kairos and the god of Kronos. And Kronos is the in-time god, and, that's, and, and the left brain sits inside space and time. And the right brain is the god of Kairos, the god of the heavens. And, uh, and that's its outside space and time. I like to call it everywhere and every when else. Wow. So thanks for that clarification. The right brain processes all the new information. Left brain processes the learned response. Only in, in most people. and uh, In most people. Yeah, yeah. Got it. And this is such a fascinating topic. I'm uh, currently reading a book uh, by Norman Deutsch. And I think I think it's quite... I, the, the, the name of the book is escaping me. How the Brain Heals Itself, I think. Okay. That's the name of the book. Nice but so many case studies, uh, so many fascinating stories and anecdotes of how people have used neuroplasticity to heal uh, themselves of their situation, their disease or whatever it is and uh, lead completely healthy and, and, and wonderful lives. Uh, so thanks a lot for sharing that. Uh, you've suggested that mindfulness meditation helps us experience aha moments on demand. How does that happen? Well, remember that phrase, thinking is the mind talking and yes. meditation is the mind listening. So if you're thinking about something, it's impossible to think about something else. So if you think about the thing you're thinking about and then you think about that thought, then uh, the, the new thought replaces the thought you were having. And there's a lovely, there's a physicist, David Bohm, he says, uh, if you think about a thought, you can't think about its content. And if you think about its direction, you lose the content in, or something like that, I think. So, and it's a peculiarity of the, of the normal human mind. So um, if, when you get into the meditative state, then you, you're, you can receive but importantly, it's important to realize where you receive from. And the point that we receive from is the pineal gland. So moving our consciousness to the pineal gland is the way to do this. But also uh, light bulb moments come in outside space and time. And uh, when I wrote that book, um, I, I was doing loads of research on where light bulb moments came from. And nobody seemed to have researched it. So I had to channel in the answer about the, the whole nature yeah. of the light bulb moment. And I discovered it's not just the whole brain event where the left and right brain get involved. It's a whole minds event. And minds in the plural is very important there. And what happens in less than a second is the light bulb moment comes in through the pineal gland, uh, either through the crown or through the cerebellum at the back of the head. And it yeah. shoots right down to your root. And it checks in with the earth mind to make sure the right the idea is ecological for the planet. And then it moves up to your gut mind. Uh, and then you say, "Is this? do I give this a green light? And then it moves up to the heart mind. And uh, you fall in love with the idea. And then it moves up to the right brain. And you start to see all of the, the scope of the idea. And then you move to the left brain and you start to get the detail and then it moves to the throat mind and you shout eureka and all of this happens in less than a second and because it's a whole minds event your whole body gets excited by the light more moment and that's why you know it's different from any other thought because you know it's kind of earth breaking and earth shattering wow beautiful so if someone wanted to learn more about these multiple minds what resource would you point the person to on my website i've got a program called heartful living uh, okay. And that's a whole mind awakening program, and uh, it take you, you, you seven, seven days, starting at the base, going to the the crown, and then it activates the alpha and omega. I also um, help people get into what's called the unified chakra state as well, which is another level above our standard. Uh, awakening level and then i've got loads of then because i'm an engineer as so i keep mentioning i've got loads of applications for how you can use certain mind centers for certain things so for example moving your mind to the pineal gland so you can yeah. see uh, the future um how you can become clairvoyant how you can use your heart to heal how you can use your heart to find your soulmate and how do you use your heart to soften tense situations. Let's say you're going to meet the solicitors or the accountants. You can yeah. beam your heart to all the people in the meeting before you get there and you'll find that everyone's quite happy for some strange, inexplicable reason. <laughs> awesome. Now, diving a bit deeper, what does science and research have to say about the effects of meditation well quite a lot i must i don't pay much attention to it because so many scientists seem to be quite dogmatic and materialistic and uh yeah and uh, you know i i haven't got any time for anyone that hasn't got any time for this does that make sense and i'm not i'm not being yes. i'm not being yes. arrogant or anything but one of the things about 
if you take a scientific approach to this, you end up in the left brain state. So you switch mm. all of this stuff off. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah, yes, so, yes. But yes. There, there are some open-minded scientists. There's a great guy called Rupert Sheldrake I love. He's an English maverick scientist, and he's got this concept called morphic resonance that explains how I can see through time. And I can also teach anyone to do this, so we can all – it's not just me. It's, and I've met loads of people that do it too. And uh, uh, But anyone can be taught to see through time. Um, yeah. And so what we're doing, we're just, we are resonant with, uh, you're resonant with the version of you a second ago and a second from now, but also a minute ago and a minute from now, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And as we, and the person that we resonate most strongly with, of course, is ourselves because we're, we're so tuned in with this, 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 our DNA is like a tuning fork. Uh, but also in time, you can learn to tune in with other people and become empathetic, and uh, and you know, for example, tune in with people's diseases. Um, or I like when I'm working with an author, I tune into their future too and and see their book. And I learned after a while, I used to be really helpful and and uh, and tell people their future book titles. But I realised I was I was stopping their joy of discovering it for themselves. If you know what I mean. So now I work with them to to uh, for the set they discover it, and then my, what the thing that I got initially, which was their book title they confirm it you know a little <laughs> while later so um I, I, does that answer your question sorry <laughs> it does it does uh, i was just want, i wanted to get your perspective on that and like you rightly mentioned if you go into all the research it sort of limits or puts a roadblock into uh meditation and your experience and your intuition of it so completely uh, agree with that now my question is were there any unintended or unexpected benefits that you've received from meditation something that caught you by surprise yeah well i think the main thing it does is it makes you luckier so you know real short-term benefit of meditation is you know obviously a lot of the the, the books i write about i I talk about how you get more things done in less time Uh, and part of that reason is because of this this singularity of the nature of human thought so if you're thinking about something else and the thing you should be thinking about then your efficiency drops um, but when, with a quiet mind, you notice things more as well. So you notice serendipities and you're more in tune to, you know, when things happen in, the, in, in patterns of three and you think, oh, if someone says I must write that, read that book three times, I must pay attention to it. So that's one thing that was unexpected to me that, you know, I seem to land on my feet a bit more. And, and also I, I was spending less effort. I was getting more done with less stress and, and less effort. But I think one of the best things, and obviously the jury's out on this at the moment on how long this might last. It's just how you can live weller for longer. So you, you mm. spend less time being ill and out of sorts, which of course, and again, increases your efficiency. But someone mm. said to me once that um, it's thought that every minute you spend in meditation, you get a minute added to your longevity, or maybe not your longevity, but the amount of time you got when you're living and enjoying yeah. life a bit more. And so if that's true, then spending 10 minutes every day and that building up over time is, is kind of a madness not to do it, isn't it? And I, I've, I've certainly discovered that. If you look at my passport photo 10 years ago, I look older 10 years ago. Now, speaking about time, you've written that you're a master at bending time. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? It means that time is an illusion and the, the passage oh. of time. We the, the humans are the only um, the only beings on the planet that uh, work to time now it's, time is great because it meant that you and i turned up at the right time you know you're in one yes. time zone i'm in a different time zone but seconds minutes hours uh weeks and months don't exist the only time constants are the rotation of the earth every single day the rotation of the moon around the earth and the rotation of the earth around the sun so the only things that are true are the, the day the month as i like to call it not the month that the month and the and and the earth time so if you get in tune with those and if you get back into natural time so for example yeah. i know that i'm creative first thing in the morning so i don't try and write in the afternoon you know i have client sessions then and, or podcasts and that sort of thing and so I, i'm in tune with I, when i'm best in the day which is the morning time i also work to the the uh, moon cycles so we're coming up to i think we're coming up to a new moon just now um maybe, uh, yeah and so um so, so I'm always uh, mindful of where we are in in the moon, and where, between new moon and the full moon, it's a good idea to plan uh, and and think and experiment. And from full moon to new moon, it's a good idea to to act. Um, and so, and then also, I'm very mindful of the seasons. So, after writing three books, I realised I wrote them all in spring. So I don't even try and write a book in mm. in autumn now. I always write them in spring and summer because I know that I write a better book then. 
um, and it, it, you, know, you get a lot less stress about when you deliver things. So, so you jump out into so by by getting into the whole brain state, you jump into this this lovely state I call EMT or extended me time, where time stretches and you get more things done with less time. But also, you work to the natural time constants. Don't forget about months. Forget about weeks and all that kind of stuff you know tune into the natural cycles and you'll find you start you stop pushing water uphill and you kind of go with the temporal flow mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i love that you've mentioned that time is an illusion which is something that i've been uh, sort of pondering and wrestling with over the last couple of days in fact yesterday i was meditating and uh, i ended up meditating for i think an hour hour's time but when i woke up or when I came back to consciousness from the meditation state, it felt like it was maybe a couple of seconds or Mm. maybe minutes. Mm. So I wasn't able to make sense of it, although I have meditated in the past. And I wrote wrote this down in the the journal as as well. It seemed like I I had lost a sense of time Mm -hmm. when I was meditating. And so it seems like what you're saying makes complete sense. It does, yeah. So it's only it's only the uh, there's there's only one thing that beats to the second. I wrote this in one of my books, and that's the yeah. thoughts of someone watching a clock. About maybe I should have made that my my inspirational quote. So the only thing that beats to the second uh-huh. in the uni- in the whole universe is the thoughts of someone watching the clock. Mm-hmm. Could you could you explain that a bit? Yes. Yeah. So if you sit in time, remember this left brain thing. So if you sit yes. looking at a clock, you and and then and time is a, it's not only an, it's not only an illusion, but it's a it's a consensual illusion. So ah. if you're with people that sort of stick to the clock, and you know you I don't know you've been waiting for a plane that's been delayed, and you're coming back from holiday, you read all your books, then time seems to to stretch out doesn't it whereas you've got mm, a weekend yeah. with friends then it seems to go really really, really quickly and so <laughs> yeah. so if we try and observe time it kind of it seems to stretch out and if we jump outside time as you did in that meditation then amazing things happen but the other thing that happens with with this this state is you allow stuff to arrive you know so uh, I, what i find is you mentioned about that book that i wrote last year i didn't plan to write the book i didn't spend any time trying to find the publisher the publisher found me i didn't even have to write a proposal to the publisher they said will you come and write this book for me yeah yeah and i thought i thought about it well i wasn't planning to write a book but it wasn't a big book so i did it you know so when you get into this this flow state the world arrives at your feet and it becomes a lot less stressful if you know what i mean but if you if you if you want to live in in time with everyone else then you'll find you'll always be struggling because collectively people are making this big issue around time. But in the book I wrote about it, Managing Time Mindfully, we created the clock. It's a man-made clock, and very specifically it's a man-made clock because women are timed to the moon. You know, Their, their menstrual cycles are timed to the moon, or they used to be. Um, and so man made the clock so we can run this wonderful society. And as I said, for you and I to turn up exactly at the right time on the right day. Uh, which is really useful. But also, when we're trying to do something creative, it becomes a bit of a burden for us. So we can jump outside time. As I say, channel mm. your future self. Uh, you could go back in this, into the past and pick up memories that you've maybe forgotten about if you're writing a historical novel. You can even channel historical figures if you want to. You know, So you can do yeah. amazing stuff with it. And to me, this is all lovely. It's fun. It's great. It's active imagination. And, um, and, it, and it just it only happens when you just disavow yourself of the notion that time is fixed and linear beautiful so tom how do you go about planning your week are there any things that you do or don't do to set yourself up for success the way you define success yeah i've got a i've got a lovely blog that i must share with you it's called my magical week and okay. and you know i mentioned about the days of the week being uh slightly um arbitrary yes they're based yes. on the names in in certainly in western culture are based on like uh roman and norse gods you know and so yes. I thought, well, why don't I have, why don't I make Monday my men's day? And that's the day I'll do some healing. And Tuesday, I made my tools day. So that's, that's the day I create tools, uh, like these meditations that we're talking about. I've got a great meditation I did recently called, uh, uh, how to get rid of jet lag. And it uses astral traveling to reduce jet lag to zero. And that would have been created on a tools day. When, yeah. <laughs> when Wednesday, I do, uh, I call it weeds day instead of Wednesday. And that's the day I, I work on people's blocks. Um, Thursday, I call my surge day. So that's when I do my marketing. And Friday is my free day. So that's when I just do anything. Now, I made, because of this uh, this interview, I made an exception uh, for you today on Saturday. Saturday, I call my sitter day. That's when I sit, <sighs> I sit around and just relax. 
and then um, then Sunday is my sunny day when I get out into the fresh air and do something wonderful out in nature. And I encourage everyone else to create their own days of the week and then to stick to them. And it's just a great fun to, thing to do. And you don't have to do... I don't have to do mending on Monday all day, but I, on some sometime on Monday, that's when I'd like to to um, to do a healing session or something of that sort of nature. Wonderful! Thanks a lot for sharing that with us. Now, for our listeners who want to get started right away, is there a simple meditation technique that you can share with us? Yeah, there's a really really good one. Um, I, in some of my meditations, I uh, I say at the beginning, uh, whatever you do, don't listen to this meditation when you're driving, operating machinery, or flying a jumbo yeah. jet. So obviously, one of the things you can do with meditation and especially if someone's listening to this meditation while they're driving. Uh, if I give them the technique now, it could make them, uh, 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 it, it could make them drowsy. I wouldn't want that to happen. But this is a very simple technique you can do. You can kind of do it while you're driving, but just be a bit careful if you are. And what you do is an eyes open meditation. And it's the, you know, we're talking about the mind being setting, starting up automatically. No matter whatever you do, it all starts up automatically. When you wake up, you start thinking. And when you go to sleep, mm. you stop thinking. And then you maybe get into dream states and stuff like this. So what you do, this is a very simple way to get your mind to shut up. And uh, what you do is you find a spot on the wall and you just stare at it. And it could be a, it could be a nail, it could be a pinprick, it could be, I don't know, a, a light switch or something like that, or an electrical socket. And you stare at the socket or the pot on the wall, and then you become aware of the stuff around it, just above and below and to the left and the right. So I'm staring right at your image on Skype right now. And so you're even I'm looking right at your image on Skype, but I'm being aware of the screen around you. So the, the top, I've got the Skype bar, but I'm not letting my eyes go to the top or the bottom. I'm still staring at you. And then what you do is you let your awareness go out. So you're looking maybe uh, about two foot above or about 300, 600 centimeters above, 600 centimeters, two feet out to the side, two feet or um, 670 centimeters down below. And so you now widen your attention. So you're taking more of the room in. And then what you do is you allow yourself your attention so you can actually imagine that you're looking at the periphery around you, looking at the walls either side of you, the floor beneath you, and the ceiling above you all the time keeping your gaze right on this center spot on the wall and then what you do is you go on the next in breath you say to yourself internally the word be and then a big out breath about four times as long as the in breath you say the word calm so this is a mantra it's the be calm mantra and you go in with the word be internally and out with the word calm just repeat that about four or five times and you'll find all your thoughts go to zero and you stop thinking. Wonderful. <laughs> Thanks a lot for sharing that amazing meditation. Action Tribe, to access the show notes for today's episode, visit my 7 forward slash 193. That's my 7 forward slash 193. We do not see things as they are. We see them as we are. Action Tribe, this is a quote by, in fact, a quote from the Talmud. And there is so much truth in this simple statement. Our ability to perceive things, understand situations, and then make decisions is largely dependent on our internal state of being. So if you're angry or resentful, then everything around you will, will feel negative and draining. If you're feeling tired and exhausted, everything around you will seem like it's taking away your energy. On the other hand, if you're feeling optimistic and charged up, then it will feel as if life is happening for you and not to you, just the way it should be. What I'm trying to say here is that especially if you're making a critical decision or you're starting something new, take some time to recharge your internal state of being, whether it's meditating, working out at a gym, or watching your favorite movie. Whatever it is, take some time to reconnect with your true self because you'll find out that things turn out much better that way. So Tom, talk to us about a time when you experienced a major life challenge or an obstacle. How did you enter that situation? And then what steps did you take to come out of it? Well, that's a, I, 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 that's a really hard question for me because I've lived a really charmed life. I've always landed on my feet. And, uh, and I even wrote a book about it because I, I, and I was, my, my mother had, had passed away and I took on a big business consultant to say, look, you know, what should I do next? And she said to me, Tom, um, well, um, why don't you write about your life? And I said, well, I can't do that because in you know, all these books on, one, I don't, I, I, I don't want to be big-headed or anything like that. And she, and she said, all these books on personal development, 
they all talk about someone going to the edge and coming back yeah. and how they got this learning from going to the edge. And I, and I know this because I've mentored loads of people to write books exactly of, of this sort of nature. And I've never had that going to the edge or back moment. So I wrote this book called New Magic for a New Era, How to Live a Charmed Life. And the first chapter in it is called No Hell and Back. And the whole point is you don't <laughs> have to go to hell and back to get spiritual enlightenment. There is an easier way. So I can't answer that question because I've not faced a major challenge. All I faced is major opportunities. Yes. And, and I, you know, I come from a, and I tell, tell the story, I came from a very poor background. Well, poor, poor relatively for, for England. You know, seven children to Irish Catholic parents yeah. and stuff like that. So we had no money as there were days when I don't think we had very much and stuff like that um and i don't count myself as a rich person now but i'm certainly not poor and but i've never had that challenge the, the only recent challenge if i'm honest with you is that you know stepping out into whatever it is i'm now i do find that a bit of a challenge only because i'm quite self-effacing and british about it all and uh, yeah. <laughs> but i really haven't had that challenge and and my 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 advice to everyone out there is that um going going to hell and back is optional got it so i completely agree with you i mean you don't have to go to hell and back like a lot of uh, stories say right you know right. experiences i became bad and and this is how i changed in in your case let me change the question <laughs> talk to us about a magical moment that came into your life out of out of nowhere something that you did not expect uh, and and what did you learn from that well uh, i think that i think now <laughs> now you're hitting the button really and that and that's really i was um on a plane, uh, yeah. thirty-nine thousand feet in the middle of the Atlantic, and and I don't mind telling you this: uh, my wife had been a bit ill about three or four years ago, and I saved up some money for her fortieth birthday to take her on Concord to New York. And uh, wow. and by the time she was well enough to travel again, um, Concord had, had stopped service because you know I had that horrible yes. accident in in Paris. So I had some money in this bank account, and I said, right, I'm going to treat you to a first class flight to the Caribbean. And we're gonna. That'll be your your delayed fortieth uh, birthday present. And flying at thirty nine thousand feet, she was at the bar having a few drinks, having a great time, having met some people. And I had a Cyan Seven. And the, the Apple iPads weren't even out then. Cyan Seven. And I started to write this book. I didn't realize, but I was trying to write this poetry called um, about a woman that lives to a hundred. And I wrote it in in poetry in snapshots of her life and it came out it ended up being my first book and it's called 100 years of moment true it's quite a short book and it's the it's the thing that took me out of that bored it consultant mode into what i'm doing mm -hmm. now but when i was writing it i was in floods of tears absolute floods of tears and it's not really a sad book and I, I mentioned this to a lovely lady um called wendy salter after i got back and she said tom it was the angels you were tuning into the angels and when you get like 0.001% of angelic love flowing through you. The love is so intense that these tears come from you. They're not like tears of sadness or tears of joy. They're just a weird thing. And that whole book uh, got written by the time I, I landed, and it's changed my career. Wow. That's a truly inspiring story. Now, from this story, what is that one major life lesson that you would like to share with our listeners do you know i think the major thing i want people to um to do is just put their head slightly above the parapet every day just do something um that is slightly different go a different way you know if you commute just get off the train uh, stop before and walk welcome adversity into your life so when when times get hard just say what can you learn from that you know what where's the lesson in that message but most importantly when you get a good bit of luck, thank that bit of luck for coming along. You know, you don't have to be, I'm not religious per se, but you don't have to thank the angels or, or, or God or anything like that. Just thank, or you can thank your future self for sending this bit of, uh, this, this bit of serendipity away. So, so put your head above this parapet, welcome adversity into your life and thank you for coming along for the lesson that it brings and then really thank the luck and serendipity that comes your way uh, for the gift that it really is. Wonderful. So thanks a lot for sharing your story. You mentioned that you were on a plane 39,000 feet above the Atlantic and you had at that point where you were heading towards the Caribbean because we yeah. you had saved uh, money for uh, you know treating your wife uh, and ha having some good times in the Caribbean, beautiful weather. And on the plane, you had a magical moment where you found yourself writing poetry about a woman who lives till she's 100. Is that correct? That's right, yeah. You experienced uh, floods of tears while writing this, but it wasn't because you were sad or disappointed. And then after speaking to someone, you found out that these were tears because you were in tune with angels and you were having that magical moment. 
uh, and the book was written uh, by the end of the journey, which yeah, yeah. is amazing. So, and uh, can I tell you another funny story about it as well? Yeah. As a result of <laughs> writing that book, not only did I get this new career, but it mentioned breast cancer in the book. It's not it's not about breast cancer, but it just mentioned it, and it got adopted by this breast cancer charity. And as a result of writing that book. I ended up walking around London in a bra at midnight with 15,000 women uh, raise, oh. raising money for breast cancer charities for 26 miles and uh, doing a marathon around London. So uh, weird things happen when you uh, communicate with the angels. Beautiful. And, uh, you know, it seems like you're that sort of person who is always receptive and open to adventures, right? And I think that's the way life is supposed to be led to look at each new day as a new adventure because life becomes so much more inter- interesting as a result of that. So thanks a lot for sharing. Action Tribe, as the days go by, what I'm being reminded of all the time is to live in the moment. You see, like yourself, I set big goals for myself and this moment. I have a grand vision of what I want to achieve and where I want to go in life, mentally, physically, and spiritually. I also have high standards for what I expect from myself. But what, what I'm learning to love these days is the search. I'm loving this journey uh, and the struggles that come along the way. I'm loving the challenges that come out of nowhere. And I'm falling in love with the quest that I'm on. And I'm so grateful that we are in this together. Because this moment, this moment that we are sharing right now, this very moment that you're listening to me right now, think about it. Once this moment is gone, we won't get this moment again. So remember, as Dr. Abraham Tversky once said, in spirituality, the searching is the finding and the pursuit is the achievement. So, Tom, what is your life calling as of today? I think my life calling as of today is an awakening calling. I think it's about um, uh, me seeing the world in a different light and then learning as an engineer, almost reverse engineering my own awakening process and then teaching other people how to go through that same process. Phenomenal. Now, my next question was actually talking about a defining moment in your life, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a phrase that you read in a book or an interaction that you had with someone. Was there ever a defining moment that changed your life? You know, there was a long time ago. Um, uh, I had this amazing light bulb moment once, uh, and I didn't know at the time what a light bulb moment was, um, but it threw me. It was a kind of, it was a mid 20s hiccup almost, or no, late 20s hiccup. And that threw me into a whole world of entrepreneurship. Uh, I was working; I'd been working at the BBC. I got a job at, uh, at Sony. This is a kind of non-spiritual story, but I only just thought about it now. But it's, it's kind of relevant. Uh, and I, um, I had, I always used to work with cameramen. I was quite a, a techie about with broadcast cameras, and people would come to be saying with, with problems. And this guy said, you know, why can't we have cameras that synchronize with computer screens so uh, when you, you don't get this flicker? And I had this lightbulb moment of how to do it. And I invented this box and uh, and it, it interfaced with uh, a TV camera so it synchronized the rate of the TV camera. And I made a lot of money out of it and I became an entrepreneur. So it got me out of corporate into a slightly different space. And I guess the significance of that moment then is still playing out now. And I don't know if there's a term for this. Or actually, maybe there is a term. We could coin it on air now. In fact, I think someone mentioned one to me a few years ago, a lovely lady called Tina Fotherby. Is I was at the time of sort of, I became an entrepreneur, I became really good at business. Um, and I was never taught it. I never did an MBA or anything like that. I made quite a lot of money, which is kind of nice for a guy that came from a very, um, very poor background. Uh, and that set me in good stead for the work I'm doing now. Um, but I guess what I am doing now is I'm a spiritual entrepreneur. So I'm finding all these lovely spiritual techniques and I'm doing something with them. And a lady called Tina Fotherby said to me uh, a couple of years ago, why don't we have entrepreneurs? Wouldn't that be a nice thing to have on the, in the world? <laughs> so, you know, people like you and me that know some of these things, that um, these lovely techniques, and then how can we use them for real world outcomes? You know, we live, you know, people talk about going to heaven after you've been on earth. But for me, heaven is on earth. And why don't yeah. we just bring a bit more heaven down to earth and create a nicer place for everyone to be? You know, and if you believe in, uh, in, in reincarnation, we might have to come back here again in the future. So it makes sense to leave this planet better than when we uh, arrived on it, doesn't it? All right. Absolutely. I think that's a very wonderful, powerful thought. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, I, I think uh, entrepreneurs are uh, highly spiritual, irrespective of their belief systems, because what they're doing essentially is that they're uh, translating a thought that was in their mind and really manifesting it 
in the real plane, you know, in the, in the physical plane in front of them. Exactly. And also using uh, a lot of channeling, uh, a lot of communication with different people uh, in different geographical locations and bringing people together towards this common vision and purpose. So that's that takes a lot. And, uh, you know, that's what I think a lot of entrepreneurs are finding out is uh, how to tap more into that uh, spiritual realm and become a conscious entrepreneur as you're suggesting yes. right now so <laughs> thanks a lot uh, for sharing that and with that we've come to the last round for today's show the wisdom round which is all about four questions with four short uh, but profound responses so my question is what is the best advice that someone's ever given you my dad said to me never lend anyone any more money than you can afford to lose name a personal habit that keeps you going Meditating every single day. Awesome. So what is your morning routine like? What do you do during the first two hours of your day? Uh, I meditate and write. So there's always some stuff. You know, Gina, Gina Cameron talks about morning pages. I write something every single yeah. day. Yeah, I've heard about morning pages, but I haven't really done them yet. But I've heard a lot of people talk about them and recommend them. Uh, so thanks for sharing. Uh, name a book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners today. I would like people to read Cosmic Memory by Rudolf Steiner. We're going to have that in the show notes for sure. Mm -hmm. Action Tribe, I know how much you love our book recommendations. And I know that many of you purchase these books as soon as you hear them shared on our show. And that's why Audible.com is offering Action Tribe one free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so that you can get to check out their amazing service. Now, Audible, in case you haven't heard, has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, or Kindle, including bestsellers like The Chakra System by Anna Dear Judith, Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda, and A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash MSC. Once again, that's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, trial, T-R-I-A-L.com forward slash MSC for your free audiobook. So Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for sharing those wonderful stories. Uh, before you go, tell us something that you are grateful for and tell us the best way we can find you online. I think I'm really grateful for um, the angels visiting my world, making them make me aware of them and, uh, and teaching me how to tap into them on a moment's notice. Uh, and I put angels in inverted commas. I don't know who they are. I don't, I, I don't ascribe any religious connotation to them. And you yeah. can find me pretty easily on www.tomevans.co, not .com or .co.uk, just .co. I couldn't afford the M of the .com, so it's just tomevans.co. Got it. So there you go, Action Tribe. If you want to learn more about some of the fascinating topics that we've spoken about today, if you want to learn practical mindfulness, then go to tomevans.co. We'll have the link up in the show notes as well. So, Tom, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about so many different topics and about meditation and the benefits of it and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Thank you. And, and as one podcast host to another, deep bow to you. You're an amazing interviewer. Thanks a lot. You are listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to my chakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today.